I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We've been doing some of the post game analysis from Tuesday's election. And of course, we're always grateful that Wednesday morning always comes to America. We talked about that yesterday. Uh, But as people continue to break down what did and didn't happen, of course, the Virginia's governor's race, uh, we had, if you missed that earlier today, we had Jeff Rowe from Axiom Strategies, who were the lead consultants uh, to the Yunkin campaign. Now, you want to go back and check out the podcast on that one later this afternoon. Uh, So many insights, not just political insights, but just people and interaction uh, insights that were really uh, amazing to listen to today. Uh, but we've also been kind of just breaking down uh, what comes next. We know that uh, the Democrats on Capitol Hill are now trying to advance uh, the two bills. Uh, the House just needs to vote on the bipartisan infrastructure bill. That's been sitting in the House for a very, very long time. Uh, initially, it was supposed to be voted on no, late, no later than the 27th of September. And now we're into November. Uh, it appears that Nancy Pelosi is uh, getting that ready to go possibly tomorrow. Uh, that is, if they can get a vote today on the $1.75 trillion package that has been put forward. Uh, and so it's interesting to to look at all the dynamics that are going on, how people are reacting to the results of the election. And, of course, everyone's projecting that forward. What does that mean for the midterms in 2022? Um, but with the Democrats you know, losing Virginia, barely hanging on in New Jersey, uh, although you want to stay with us for our last segment today, a, a fun story. Uh, that the state Senate president, a Democrat in the Garden State, lost to a truck driver, a political novice, uh, only spent about 150 bucks in his uh, primary win and a little more than that to going into the general. It's an amazing uh, indictment of where people are and uh, what happens next. Uh, So the question then for the Democrats, which they're really debating themselves now, is what does that party do to move forward? So Inside Sources sat down with the Washington Post chief correspondent, Dan Balls, uh, who did some excellent analysis uh, for the paper about where the Democrats are, what the challenges are, and what the path forward is, uh, and what they need to do to kind of get their gait and their cadence back, a little mojo back. Uh, so uh, again, Dan Balls is the uh, national, excuse me, uh, uh, chief correspondent uh, for the Washington Post. And he said things uh, like national issues like the President Biden's spending package uh, really did play out a little bit more than maybe we're even giving it credit in the Virginia's governor's race. 
there are some essentially local issues that became very powerful in the outcome of this race. One is education and kind of frustration about uh, curriculum issues on the part of some parents and whether critical race theory is or isn't being taught in the schools. There's frustration over what happened during the height of the pandemic when most schools were closed and a lot of students lost you know, precious months of in-class uh, in learning. There's frustration about mask mandates for ch children and all of that kind of boiled over. And there's also another issue that wasn't you know, unique to Virginia, but this sense that um, crime is on the rise and that uh, the Democrats aren't dealing with that as directly as they should. And so we saw some signs of how that was playing out. So there are a whole series of factors that contributed to these. And it's, it's part of the Democrats, you know, now, now their challenge to figure out how to kind of regroup and turn things back in their direction if possible. So Dan Balls uh, went on to say that uh, Governor-elect Youngkin was able to convince a lot of suburban voters to cast their ballots for the Republican Party again. There were a lot of swings there that we saw. He said, but what really hurt the Democrats was the turnout in small towns and rural counties where Democrats seem to be dropping uh, at a pretty significant rate. Democratic support in those counties has cratered. Uh, and this isn't the first election that that's been the case. What we saw in Virginia was that counties that had turned out very strongly for Donald Trump a year ago turned out even more voters on Tuesday than they had in 2020. And I don't think anybody on the Democratic side anticipated that that would be the case. So right now, Democrats have very little to say to those voters to, to win them back. They're going to have to work very hard to think through What's the right way to appeal to them? And frankly, it's going to, you know, it's going to put them a little bit at odds with, the, you know, their very progressive urban urban base. Um, so there, there's a cultural clash within the party, and there's certainly a cultural gap between Democrats and those uh, rural and small town voters. Finally, Dan Balls uh, believes that the Democrats can turn things around, both nationally and locally. Uh, though a lot of the strategy, I think, uh, has to do with the issues that are on the plate of the House of Representatives today and getting the, the president's agenda passed? You know, a midterm election for a new president is always challenging. And I think that in many ways, uh, if there's a silver lining for Democrats, it's that they got this wake-up call a full year ahead of next year's elections. I mean, nobody, nobody will go into 2022 if they're running for office with the idea that this is going to be anything other than enormously challenging if you're a Democratic candidate. So I think that's the easy part to recognize that they've got a problem. The harder part is what do they do about it? And, and uh, presuming they're able to do what they think they want to do, how much will that help change the environment? So that is going to be the big test, I think, for Democrats is uh, can they get the agenda passed for the president? And, and is that exactly what the American people want? Uh, some of what we saw around the country uh, was a rejection of that kind of spending. And, and it's so interesting. Uh, we talked about this yesterday a little bit, that uh, there were many uh, liberal progressive Democrats who, in looking at the results of Tuesday night, uh, are questioning the way their party is connecting with voters. Uh, Van Jones, in a uh, a pretty stunning moment, very late in the evening on Tuesday, uh, it was almost as if he was kind of having a conversation with himself. And he said, all of us on the progressive wing of the party, we, we need to stop and ask ourselves, are we just scrolling through our own echo chamber of our social media feed, 
not realizing that the American people are tired of us acting like we know everything and that we know better and that we can tell them what they need to do. Uh, and so I, I think the uh, interesting thing there is, is again, what is the next step? And is the, the next step more government? Is it going bigger? Many on the progressive wing have said that they lost these races in Virginia and, and New Jersey was closed because they didn't go big enough. Uh, with their packages, of course, and there were proposals out there that were three point five trillion, six trillion early on in the administration, and so many Democrats on the progressive wing of the Democratic Party are saying, "Hey, we didn't go big enough. That's why we lost." Uh, and then, of course, there are many in the um, more centrist space of the Democrats who are saying, "No, we went too big, too wide, uh, and what we really need to do is go very narrow." This was another observation by Van Jones on CNN. Tuesday night was, do the Democrats need to follow the Bill Clinton model and pivot to very kind of a small ball approach, very specific, very targeted things that can make an impact on the lives of everyday Americans? Uh, And that, to me, is the way all political parties should go at it. Every bill should be a small ball bill uh, with very specific things. And then that way you can judge the outcomes and determine if they delivered what you promised they would deliver. And that's that's the test. Uh, but we try to do these big, massive bills. Republicans have done it. Democrats have done it. I uh, was watching one clip of Nancy Pelosi uh, today as Speaker of the House uh, where she was complaining two years ago when the Republicans were in power that they were going to vote on a bill that had not been scored by the Congressional Budget Office. She called it reckless and irresponsible uh, to not know how this was going to be paid for. And, of course, today she's going to advance a bill to the floor of the House that has not been scored by the Congressional Budget Office. It would take at least a week, uh, possibly longer, for the Congressional Budget Office to give a proper uh, score on uh, what is being proposed in the $1.75 trillion social spending package. And so it's back and forth. Both sides are guilty. I'll be the equal opportunity offender when it comes to spending. Uh, The question that we'll continue to follow and watch is, will either side... Will either side really be willing to do something different? Uh, Or will we keep fighting the last war? Will we keep making the same mistakes? Will we keep doing the same politically divisive stuff? Will we stay with that kind of anger, fear, angst, and frustration rhetoric? Or will people say, wow, look at that. Glenn Youngkin ran a different kind of campaign in Virginia. Is there something that we could learn there about focusing on people, on principles, and specific policies that make a difference, that's worth thinking about. We're going to step aside for one last commercial break. When we come back, you want to hear this story. Probably the bigger story of the day was not Glenn Youngkin winning Virginia as governor. It was Ed Doerr winning a Senate seat in New Jersey. You want to find about this story? This is an awesome one. Coming up next. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. 
the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.